Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser are in the house. All natural, no pesticides, no artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020 KDKA. Hey, Doug and Jess are here this week and then a big road show next weekend. They'll tell you about that in a moment. But in the meantime, if you would like to join us with a gardening question, I highly urge you to call now because it always gets busy once we get rolling. 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, KDK.com. Tenth caller at 412-922-1020. Right now wins a $25 gift certificate from Sorgles. Ladies and gentlemen, from TribLive.com. Jessica Wallister and Doug Oster. Good morning, guys. How come you put her name first? I don't even know why. That just came out that way. It's okay. You're fired. <laughs> Please do. Give me the check. <laughs> Can I got, leave right now? <laughs> you got a raise. I ain't going to happen either. <laughs> Good morning. Doug Oster from the Tribune Review and EverybodyGardens.com. Good morning. And I'm horticulturist Jessica Walliser. And that guy over there is Rob, by the way. The 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 one that is This is a hologram. This the... really isn't me. <laughs> <laughs> this is the final tour. And oh, yeah. yes, next week we are live from beautiful Buffalo, New York, where we're going to be broadcasting from the Garden uh GWA Garden Writers Annual Symposium and we're both looking forward to being there and you know, it's all uh professional uh classes and we're picking up awards and speaking it's all going to be fun and i i'm really looking forward to seeing some of the cool gardens that we're going to get to explore in buffalo new york as well because they have buffalo garden walk which is sort of like a a, a famous garden tour where they have like mm-hmm. i think it's 400 gardens um on tour and we're going to be seeing a bunch of them and uh, private gardens are always my favorite because they're usually things that we can do in our own backyards and get lots of ideas from. and when a place like buffalo has a national symposium, just as a place like Pittsburgh would have one. They really have to show people what a great city it is because people are like, Buffalo, Ugh, you know, dreary. Buffalo's got oh, a lot no. of good things going on. Oh, oh yeah. I know, I know, yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm just saying that, that that's, you know, if you're coming from, when you have one in California, it's like, okay, you got palm trees, you don't really have to work at it. But when you have, uh, you know, Cleveland, Buffalo, Indianapolis, these other places, you really have to work at it. And that's the fun part about going to a oh, symposium yeah, at a place carpet, like that. The yeah, they're, they're just going to comes out. Everybody's, because everybody's going to say like, oh man, Buffalo was so great. What a great place. Just like they did when they came to Pittsburgh yep. and when we went to Indianapolis. So. And you know that red carpet's going to be rolled out for you oh, because yeah. you're teaching a class on uh, video production, <laughs> yeah. which is going to be pretty great. I think, um, you know, obviously I love the videos. I'm looking for forward trip. to that, you know, because the basic thing is just, you know, be yourself. I'm going to show them some of my, you know, stupid and silly ones. I said... <laughs> I'm going to say I can do stupid and silly because I am stupid and silly, but you might not be able to to do it. You might want to do one that's more serious. So we're going to have some fun and talk about some technical things, too. But it's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to broadcasting live from Buffalo next week. That should yeah, be fun, that's too. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. We did it one one other time. Have to get up awfully early, though. Right? But, we, you know. 
did we it did. one other time yeah, from we Indianapolis. From, no, we and we did it from Quebec uh, as well. Remember, okay, that's right, uh, that's I was right. on a bus or something like that for the show. I didn't remember. Oh, what it that's was. right. I think I was on the back of a bus uh, doing the show. I wonder where I was from the bus. But uh, anyway, yeah, this is going to be easier because we will hopefully be like in the same room actually for the show, which will be pretty great. But anyway, lots going on in the garden right now as well. The weather has been absolutely beautiful. I, for one, am up to my elbows in weeds, so I spent a good you know hour and a half yesterday. Doing I feel bad for the people that, you know, for us, the rain is not that big of a deal, but I feel, boy, the flooding is like yeah. terrible. You yeah. know, I drove by the rivers today on the way here and way up, just, just way up. So, you know, we're looking at the rain differently than people that have to, when they're looking at the upcoming rain, they're like, oh no, it's going to be two inches again. Yeah. But yeah, the weeds, oh my gosh, you know, my garden, my vegetable garden, especially, I just need to get in there and all the paths and everything need to be taken care of. Yeah, yeah. It's always always a handful. <laughs> tomatoes coming in, though, right? You uh, I haven't gotten any yet, but I've, it's been an odd year for me in the garden, so I haven't had any ripe tomatoes yet. I'm I've just been picking uh, little ones, you know, uh, salad that size. Oh, okay. yeah, a little bit bigger than cherries, but soon enough, the, yeah. we'll get the bigger ones. I've been so lazy, I didn't even stake my tomatoes or cage them. They're just, oh, they're just ramble, they're rambling. rambling along the straw. <laughs> You know, they're feeding me and they're feeding the slugs. <laughs> <laughs> a little for you, a little for the slimy slug. Right. So, yep. All right, listen, we got some calls already for Doug and Jess. Uh, it's Dan and Judy. We'll get to you in just a moment. From New Kensington, Latrobe, we got you covered, and we'd love to hear from you as well, too, at 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdk.com. And congratulations to Veronica from Pittsburgh, winner of that gift certificate from Sorgles. Again, the number to be on the program, the Organic Gardeners on the air, 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdk.com. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. All right, here's Dan in New Kensington for Doug and Jess. It is the Organic Gardeners for this Sunday, July 30th. Good morning, Dan. Good morning. I got these little pinkish worms under my strawberries eating nice little round holes in them. I'd like to know what to do with them little creatures. Hmm. Pinkish? Pinkish worms. Are they? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Okay, so, um, well, what I would suggest that you do, do you have your strawberry bed mulched with straw or anything like that? I have mulched with uh, grass clippings. Okay. Um, I would suggest maybe doing straw instead of grass clippings to mulch your strawberry bed and do that in the spring when the plants first start to emerge so that the berries actually don't sit against the ground. Um, with the grass, my, my main worry with using grass clippings on a strawberry bed like that is the grass is very high nitrogen um, as it breaks down and it can get, uh, as you know, probably a little bit slimy as it decomposes. And it, because yeah. it's high in nitrogen, it's very rapidly decomposing and organisms that do the decomposing are really attracted to it. So I worry that those, whatever those little pink things are, um, are coming there because of that high nitrogen in those grass clippings and the, the fact that it's decomposing so rapidly. So okay. I think switching to straw might help the problem. As you're describing that insect, it doesn't sound like anything that's really commonly a pest of strawberries. And so I worry that it might be there because of that mulch that you're using. Okay. And I have a question about raspberries also. Okay. Uh, I'm getting little round holes all through my leaves. 
but I ain't seen nothing. Okay. Um, right now, what's attacking my raspberries are the Japanese beetles, but you would see them during the day, usually. I lost most of my I raspberries to the birds. The birds ate yours. The other thing I uh, would no, think... No, I got bird nating over. <laughs> the other thing I would worry, think about, if you're not seeing the insect on there, would be... Um, probably like slugs that are getting up on there at night, especially because we've had so much rain. The slugs have been really problematic in my own garden this year. So a lot of times if we see holes nibbled in leaves of any plant and you're not actually seeing the pest, it might benefit you to go out at night with a flashlight and look at those raspberry plants and see if you might see any slugs on them in the evening. And that would be, uh, you know, how you would be able to catch them and identify them properly. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Judy in Latro. Hey, Judy. Good morning, folks. I recently noticed, actually yesterday, the large horn worm on my tomatoes, mm-hmm. and I picked off what I could see. But my the research that I have seen says that you should till the ground uh, at the beginning of the season and the end of the season to kill the grubs, and yet you folks seem to go towards the no-till method with just the layering of the compost and the newspaper and so forth. What's the best way to get rid of those, those horn worms on a permanent basis if I'm not going to be tilling. Boy, right. when they have that, uh, like for me, when they have the uh, those little parasitic wasps on there, it's pretty that, cool. that perpe- <laughs> that, that's perpetuated for me. I've never yep. had a hornworm problem since what, once that the parasitic wasp finds the hornworm. And, you know, picking them off, there aren't that many of them. Right. You know? Right. Um, and so what they're talking about, it's actually not a grub. You use the word grub in the soil, but it's actually the pupa. So that big giant hornworm eventually will come down off of the plant and it burrows down into the soil and builds its its pupa down underneath the ground. And so when they tell you to till up the soil, they want you to expose those pupa to birds and, uh, and freezing temperatures and, and kill it that way. Um, it's actually they're really cool moths like they are not they people think all the time that they're those hummingbird moths that you see during the day but they are not they are a night flying it's a different type of sphinx moth and they're they're big and they're really really cool um so i don't worry about them too much i mean if i see them and they're really destroying the plant and they don't have those little they look like little white grains of rice hanging off of their back and those are the parasitic wasp cocoons that doug was talking about if they don't have those on them, then I might consider, you know, taking them off the plant. But you can actually raise them. and They're, they're really cool insects. Uh, yeah, yeah so. they are cool. But when they have those little white things on there, little rice-like things, we just let them go. You yep. know, they're stopped feeding when you see those. And so by perpetuating that wasp, you know, yeah. nature takes care of everything. And like I said, since I've found them with the par- uh, parasitic wasps in there. I've never had horn problems. And that's problems. because now you have a good population of parasitic wasps. And I also know you have a lot of flowering herbs in your garden. And that's one thing she could do is plant some dill and fennel and oregano and other flowering herbs in the garden because those are very attractive to that little parasitic wasp that takes care of the hornworm. You know, I wanted to ask you about poison ivy real quick, and it just popped into my mind because I was thinking about your dad for many years who worked outside and worked very hard in paving and all that stuff. Can you actually get so many doses of poison ivy to where you become immune to it? I wish. I just was curious. I I wish you could. I mean, I don't think so. And isn't it funny how everybody... Reacts to it reacts differently. differently. Yeah. Like my, I like I walk through it when I'm filling the bird feeder, and, and I don't get it. You've never had poison ivy, Doug? I've had a, just a very, very little bit here and there, you know, from camping and Boy Scouts, and but, you know, at least for now, 
I, I just don't have a strong allergy to it. You know, that could yeah. change any day. What's but... the best way to get rid of it? Oh, my, there, there is no best way. To, I mean, people will do all kinds of crazy things. Like, I mean, I've heard stories of people pouring bleach on it, which is like uh, totally no. not the right thing to do. I mean, you just got to wait it out. If it gets really bad or it's affecting like getting near your eyes or swelling up your face, then you can go on steroids for it. But Yeah, there's no cure. Once you have yeah. it, there's no cure. There's just uh, different things to try and make the symptoms a little more comfortable. Oh. Right. It's no fun, though. Yeah. It's no fun. I used to get it really bad when I was a kid. Now that um, I'm sort of grown up, uh, <laughs> on the outside anyway, the inside I'm still a five-year-old. But the uh, I used to get it really bad. Don't get it so bad anymore now as an adult, but I also think I'm not around it as much. And when I you're was a much landscaper, more aware of it. I'm, I can recognize When I was it. a landscaper, every year I used to get it on my forearms, all from elbow to wrist, all on the inside of my forearms. I Hurt. used to have it. Oh, terrible. Just drive you nuts yep. scratching it. Yep. I, I would just get little itty-bitty ones here and there, and, oh, drive, drive you crazy. Now you're both going to ask me to leave the room. I I've been, I fed two rabbits carrots yesterday. Sorry, I couldn't help it. And look, I could just see a Disney movie with the, now, bird, you know the what? bird on your shoulder. I thought, I thought little, Doug and you, Jess were going to jump out from behind the fence and stop that right that, now. Cuddling that little bunny, giving him the carrot. No, 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 no. But hey, I, just... I feed them every day in my garden. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a buffet at your place. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't help it. Sorry. All right, let's go to Barbara, South Park. Barbara, how you doing? Good morning. I'd like to ask two questions, if I may. One is... Doug's one of his favorite tomatoes, to potato top, and I do have them. I got them from you years ago, uh, and I've never had a problem. Um, I have two, just two plants, very big. I got, right off the bat, I had like six tomatoes on there. And then they stopped. Now, I have other tomato plants, too. I've had, they stopped uh, pollinating. And what would happen is the, the blossom, uh, right above the blossom, it would like, form almost like an L, or, uh, and, and then it would break off. But yet I had no problem with any of the other tomatoes getting tomatoes. Yeah, I, the, what they, would cause that? They are susceptible to, to blossom drop when it gets hot. Okay, uh, okay. I was just curious. Potato top and, and brandywine are both susceptible okay. to that sort I, of thing. I just thought it was my imagination, but it wasn't. <laughs> but I am getting more now. The other is um, approximately how long I've... We check. We have a squash, and we check the, the leaves underneath pretty regularly. Um, and um, there's two of us, so we, we really go on and check them. We find the eggs, okay? And then and a day or two later, I check again, and I see these eggs, and not the same eggs, of course, I scrape them off. They, they're nymphs on there already. How long does it take for squash vine borer eggs to go from eggs to nymphs. And that's actually a squash bug, not a squash vine borer. The squash... I, I know, I know. It's, okay. I'm sorry. That, I know that. Okay. Yeah, I know. I'm just clarifying that for the other listeners. So they're little... Yeah, I'm and, sorry. And I'll describe what they look like for people. So they're usually on the underside of the leaves, though sometimes you find them on the top as well. And right. they're sort of like a bronze color, and they're laid in uh, little short rows. So little groups of these uh, eggs are sort of like a, a little bit of a football shape to them, and they're real hard and crunchy. So I actually use a, the sticky side of a piece of duct tape to get them off of the plant um, and they'd sort of then stick to the duct tape and I can just throw the duct tape away. I but use my fingernail. There you go. <laughs> but the, the, I, I bite my nail so I don't have the, don't have the fingernail oh, option. Okay. But um, So they're actually usually an egg and it, and it does depend on the temperature, it depends on the weather and it depends on the placement on the plant boy, as when, well. When they're on squash patrol, 
the two of them. Yeah. And still. But you miss. How... Man, you miss. So there's some probably exiting in there for a little while. Probably. So th- usually about four to seven days that they're in egg before they hatch into nymphs. But you are missing them somewhere. And sometimes they can be along the leaf stem um, or, or yeah, very low on the they, plant. They usually are. This is what puzzled me because yeah. they were on leaves that were up that we definitely had checked. And I thought, yeah. oh my gosh, how did this happen? Yeah. Well, the <laughs> eggs. Could, they were miracle eggs. The, the eggs could be laid on the leaf stalk and then the, the, uh, they would you know, migrate when they hatch. The nymphs would migrate up onto the leaf to do the feeding. So, you know, they can, they can walk around. Once they're hatched, they can walk around. They usually kind of stay in a group like that as well. What's besides doing that? What, what, is there anything? I, did, I, did I read that you can plant dill? I do have some dill around it, but I actually put dill leaves under. I mean, the dill blossom, you know, the dill heads underneath. Yeah. I have had some luck with that. Sort of, you know, they use this companion planting, and then people will say, you know, plant this with that, and it will, you know, solve your bug problems. Most of it is unproven by science. But there are some odor deterrents that can happen when it comes to herbs with really fragranced foliage. Uh, Is it something I would rely on? Certainly not. I mean, with the squash bugs, it's just being diligent um, and going out there and doing exactly what you're doing. Yeah, and that's good that they're doing that. That's cool. That's a great way to to deal with them. But like you said, you're always going to miss some. Oh, yeah. And then when they're in that little nymph stage, what do you do? Can you just try and I also do the duct, I do the duct tape in that, too. I just kind of stick the piece of duct tape on them and collect them up that way and squish them up in between the layers of the duct tape. You know, speaking of dill, I think of pickles. Do you realize, Heinz, in the early days, how they were able to take pickles to people that never would have even had a chance to enjoy what a pickle tastes like? Didn't know that. I mean, yeah, they were global. I mean, there were people. Oh, I see what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? I mean, faraway places that would have never because of packaging and transportation. Right. So, I don't know. Just something to think about. (laughs) All right. Listen, you're going to be in Buffalo next week. Tell them why. Well, we're going to be at the annual Garden Writers Symposium just to learn all about what's going on in the garden business. You know, there's going to be lots of people there. We're going to be interviewing for uh, seeing the new introductions of plants and stuff like that. Picking up a few awards. <laughs> Don't hurt yourself. All right. We, we, we will take a break. That's pretty cool, though. That'd be fun. It's fun to see everybody because you really it really is a small community, and you only get to see the people once a year if you go every year or maybe every other year if it's somewhere else. Uh, 866-391-1020, bank, instant access, kittykid.com. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020, KDKA. You know, a couple of things. First off, you, of course, have gone to London. We were talking about this documentary about Lady Diana, Diana, our mother, Princess Harry, and Prince William. They've they really, on HBO, they both have turned out to be fine young men. Mr. Yeah. Mr. yeah, yeah, it was a really interesting documentary. Mom, uh, what, what was weird was we were watching it, and I, you know, we remember watching The Big Wedding and everything, but it was only about three weeks after we had got married in 1981. So it was, there was, I was telling Cindy, wow, there's some real parallels there. And she just started laughing. Like, yeah. Caviar and chip and dip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's okay. Though. I'd have had fun at your wedding, too. And one other thing Jess and I were talking about, we're talking about his dad, her dad, who worked very hard out doing paving uh, for many, many years. If you're out and about, there's, you know, of course, 279 construction today. Just ease off the pedal a little bit in those work zones, right? And be Absolutely. careful. Be careful. Gosh, those guys are, are working hard. And women hard. are out there. Well, those people are, are working hard. And, uh, yeah, just take it easy and stay off your phone. 
You can pay attention. All right, let's go to, uh, oh, by the way, let's take the 10th caller to win that gift certificate from the good folks at Janoski's right now. It's worth uh, 25 bucks. It's uh, 412-922-1020. And we're going to go to Whitaker and say good morning to Luke. Luke, you're on the air. Welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Luke. Yes, uh, I have a question. I have a hardy azalea. Can I propagate cuttings from that uh, plant? Yes, absolutely. Um, You can do azaleas one of two ways. Uh, Probably the easiest way is to do a process called layering, which is where you take a branch of that azalea and you uh, kind of form an arch and bend it down till the tip of it touches the soil. And so what you want to do is about maybe three, four inches away from the end of the plant, uh, take a very sharp, clean knife and cut a little line uh, into, like parallel with the stem, into the base of the stem, and in just about a quarter of an inch, maybe even an eighth of an inch on an azalea, so that you're scoring the bark. Put a little bit of rooting hormone on that cut, and then pin the cut and the branch right down into the soil. And you can make sort of a little hairpin out of wire, or use a landscape staple to do it, and then put a little bit of soil over the top of that. And out of the place where you made the cut, you're going to form roots. They're called adventitious roots, and they're, they they form out of that cut with the help of the rooting hormone. And within one season, that will be ready to be cut yeah, when, from the mother plant. When would be the best time to do that? Um, actually, I would. Well, I was going to say you could do it now, now. Pin it down, and then next spring, right? Might right. It would be able to be separated. But if you do it now, you really have to make sure that that spot stays well watered because once those little tiny roots start to form, you you know you can't let the soil dry out. You could also wait until the fall, uh, a little bit later in the fall, maybe September, when we start to get really um, you know the the temperatures start to drop, we start to get a little more regular rain, and then you would probably be able to cut that off of the mother plant by the following fall. Um, You could also take some cuttings of that azalea as well, some tip cuttings. I would try to do new growth the green growth, succulent growth on there. Uh, And that would be treating it just like you would any other plant cutting, stem cutting, which would be to cut it from the mother plant, remove all but one or two of the topmost leaves, dip it in the rooting hormone, and then put it in a pot of potting soil uh, and then keep it very, very humid. So you could like close the pot up in a little baggie or something like that until Have it's you ever rooted. done that? Have you ever had any success A long in that? time ago. Now, the I I prefer the layering to taking stem cuttings. Certainly layering like is that. more successful for me. Yeah. Taking yep. those stem cuttings and, you know, you start talking softwood, hardwood, oh, yeah. where they meet. Yep. And, uh, yep. You have to pay too much attention to them. You have to baby them yeah. too much. Yeah. When they the layering, do layering, com- you just do it and that's it. When you take cutting commercially, they put them under something that keeps them humid by just spraying right. them on a, on a timer. Right. When you're doing it and you have them in a bag somewhere. Yep. They're awful, awful easy to forget about. Exactly. <laughs> you know, Doug found, thank you for the call, Doug found a pen in his seat. This is from CIE Tours, which is part of AAA Central. They do stuff in Ireland. So I'm going to save this so when she comes back, I'll give it to her. But what about Ireland gardening besides potatoes, obviously? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm just about to announce that. <laughs> well, another gonna, coincidence. Yeah. On that. Organic we're, we're on the same page here. This is a great company, though, by the way. Yes, I was sitting on their pen yes. for a half hour. <laughs> Didn't even know it. You hatched What does it. that tell you? Yeah. Go, go ahead. Yeah, next June I'm going to be taking gardeners. I'll have the dates here probably in a couple of weeks, but uh, we're taking gardeners to, to Ireland next year in June, and it's going to be awesome. We're going to see this garden that is National Geographic says is the third best garden in the world. So it's going to be fun. I'll, I'll make the official announcement once I have all the details together, but I was just working on the copy. and 
I can't wait. As I long as Ireland. you do me one favor, you call in when you're at one of those pubs over there. That to me would be fascinating. Oh, I'm not. You, I couldn't imagine going to a pub or something while I'm there. I'll have these people to take care of, Rob. Yeah, right. Just go to the Guinness factory instead. Maybe the Jameson Distillery. Might be staying at the Guinness factory. The vegetables won't be the only thing that's stewed and planted. All right, uh, he's. Yeah, yeah. You never bring us anything back from all of these exotic trips that you go on. Like, uh, you know, that's a good point, Rob. I mean, nothing. You make more personal appearances than Elvis, and he's been dead for forty years. I mean, come on now. I'll bring you back something from Ireland. That's you. You got to be excited about that, though. Oh, it's gonna. I love Ireland. That's one of my favorite places. You've been there? Yeah, yeah. Remember walking out of the hotel and this uh, priest looking up, and he said, "Oh, another Irish day, sunny and wet." Every day. Like Guinness. I mean, I, I would love to go tour that plant. That's pretty special stuff. I've been there. It's fun. Is it? Uh-huh. They give you a sample? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not, just a, little itty, but not just a little well, itty That's when you sample. were touring the world. So how old were you when you were doing all this? Oh, stuff? actually, I, we were, I was in my 20s when I went to Ireland. That's incredible. So. That's incredible. I didn't make it to Munhall until I was 35. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's go to, um, who's next? John. John. Yeah, John, good morning. How are you? Real good. What's on your mind, John? Uh, my garden this year, uh, no, no vegetables. The tomato plants are six, eight foot high. My zucchini plants, I have hundreds of flowers. I only got three, three zucchini. My pickles, as soon as they started developing, they turned yellow. And my peppers and my cabbage never come to head. Boy, you have a whole, whole host of problems going on there. I think we got a, a pollination issue there somewhere right off the bat. Yeah, I was wondering that as well. When you describe a lot of squash blossoms and no squash, that sounds like a pollination issue to I, me. I was so. talking talking to somebody about that, and we were talking about the paintbrush technique to mm-hmm. pollinate them. She says she just takes a male flower off and just takes it to all the female flowers. Oh, yeah, that's flowers, what I do, too. That's a good idea. Yep. I didn't even thought of that. Yep. Right. Thank you for the call. So, 866-391-1020. Bank and access kdk.com. Tell them why you're in Buffalo next week. We'll take a break, check some sports, and get back for one more segment next hour. Eating healthy with Joe and Frank Dentisi on the Coons. We'll be reporting live from Buffalo at the National Garden Writers Symposium. Uh, seeing lots of new plants being introduced, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Tune in next week. Anything to add to that? No. Okay. All right. Well, that's a well first. said, Jess. That's a first. Short break. We'll that's be right back. Hey now. Hey now. We'll be right back. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. So we wanted to add a little bit more to uh, John's call, the answer to John's call right before the break there. We ran out of time, and he was talking about his vegetable garden not producing a tough year. as well. Yeah, it's yeah. It's a tough year. It's a tough year. Not just one thing. It's a, a lot, lot of, of things. things. So with the squash and the cucumbers, uh, I suspect a little bit of pollination issue, which we talked about before the break. But when we talk about tomato plants that are big and lush and green and all this crazy foliage and they're eight foot tall but no tomatoes, that's often a sign of um, nutritional imbalance in the soil. So I would pay the $9, get a soil test from Penn State, and take a look at uh, the, the nutrient balance in that soil. The I also suspect that maybe he added some fertilizer to the garden that was too high in nitrogen because nitrogen makes all that lush green, often at the expense of fruit production. Um, I also wouldn't get disheartened because sometimes all gardeners have really right. lousy it's, years in the garden. It's not too late. Yep. And I think we have another call from Jim that has sort of a related question connected with this as well. Jim, what's up? Okay. I have was picking dill yesterday, 
and the little tiny hard black bugs, beetles almost, about the size or a little bigger than the dill seed. Uh, I've never seen that before. Were they doing something to the plant or they were just... They seemed to be eating at the seed and some of the the dill didn't seem to be have seed in it. Okay. Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, as far as I know, there are no weevils or anything that actively, um, you know, go after dill seeds. Uh, I can look into that a little bit and maybe get back to you next week and see if there's... I, there's nothing new that I know of on the horizon dealing with dill. Uh, there are some beetles that will pollinate the plants, and so you'll see the little little black beetles or little different colored flies or beetles on the flowers, but typically not on the seeds. So uh, that's going to require a little bit of investigation. Time for Mrs. Know-It-All. That's Denise Schreiber, Greenhouse Manager for Allegheny County Parks. Good morning, Denise. Good morning. Be jealous. I've been picking tomatoes. Oh, good <laughs> for you. Good for you. What uh, varieties have you been picking? I have um, Whopper um, from um, Park, Park C. Right. I have Delicious, which is an old beef. Yeah, steak. yeah. Those are two two tomatoes that have been around for a while that are both cool. What else? Right. Anything they're else? Great producers, and I've got a black cherry in there. Mm-hmm. I have some trial tomatoes, so I've got a little of everything. But the tomatoes I'm getting are actually from Whopper. Delicious is a little bit of a later tomato. So I'm not concerned about that. You know, I've got nice big green tomatoes at this point with those. But I'm also having a pollination problem with, of all plants, my favorite second favorite vegetable in the world, zucchini. (laughs) I actually had to go buy it because none of my neighbors garden, so I couldn't mooch one off of them. (laughs) (laughs) So are you taking the the male flowers and using them to to pollinate the female flowers? Have you started to do that? I have a little paintbrush, and I've been doing that. But my problem is usually when they're blooming, Mm -hmm. I'm already at work. Right, right, because you have to do it in the morning. you know, that time frame. Yeah, yeah, you have to do it in the morning when the blooms first open. It's an easy practice, but you are absolutely right, Denise. You have to be there in the morning when those blooms open. So uh, maybe you can convince the husband to do that. (laughs) Or train one of the cats. That's even better, right? Can you train your cat to do that? No? Okay. (laughs) Dollar Bank Instant Access. I have 30 varieties of figs this year, and I find that there are white flies breeding. I've been spraying with lightly mixed formula of neem. What else could you suggest? What damage can I expect from these white flies or moths? Hmm. I have had white flies in my strawberry patch this year, which is a first for me. I don't know if it's the perfect storm of the weather or if I I probably bought a plant at a nursery that was infested with white flies. That's typically how they come to our gardens here in Pennsylvania. They're, They're a pest that's year round in the south, but here in Pennsylvania, they don't typically survive the winter. So usually when we have them, we got them from a plant that we got from a nursery that was infested. But with the figs, you have to be really careful when you bring those figs in after they go dormant. What I would do is I would make sure that you spray that fig plant, the dormant plants with horticultural oil before you overwinter them, especially if you overwinter them indoors, like in a garage or, or a basement, because you don't want those white fly nymphs or eggs to overwinter on those plants. So make sure that you smother them by coating the branches all the way. With and I, I would actually oil. That, that's how I would deal with them now. When you have with them, horticultural when you, oil. yeah, horticultural yeah. oil. White flies yeah. aren't really usually a big deal. Um, I haven't seen them in my garden yet, but they'll be there. You know, especially on tomatoes at the end of the season, we'll, I'll usually see them. And yeah. whenever you bump the plant, you get a nice cloud of white flies. 
yep, part of it. That's part of what it, they do, yeah. But on the figs, though, if you have that many, you're going to want to try to do something to control them. Well, Just, I think you're going to know this uh, this one, too. This is from Dan, Dollar Bank Instant Access. My cucumber vine is dying slowly from the stem mm-hmm. outward. Mm-hmm. What is causing this? Dun, dun, dun. It's probably cucumber vine, bacterial wilt would be my guess. Um, although it could be a squash vine borer, but I thought for sure you were going to say squash vine borer. On cucumbers, I always worry about bacterial wilt before I worry about um, squash vine borers because bacterial wilt is far more common uh, on those plants. And it will be where the plant looks, you know, lovely and beautiful and is ready to produce one day. And then the next day it's wilted and just sort of dying off and not looking very well. If it's bacterial wilt, there's really nothing that you can do about it, unfortunately. Once the plant has come down with the pathogen, you can't get rid of it in any way, shape, or form. I wish there was a solution. But this means that next year you have to plant cucumber varieties that are resistant to bacterial wilt. This would be ones like Diva, Marketmore 76, County Fair. Those have noted strong resistance to that pathogen, and they are the ones that I plant in my garden every year. They're a must for me. All right, let's go to our next caller from the South Hills, Jim. Hey, Jim, good morning. Welcome to KDK. Morning, guys. Real quick, you guys uh, keep on saying the male-female fly. How do you know the difference? Okay, Great Je- question. Yeah, Jess, could you tell all our listeners, give them a little story about the birds and the bees? The birds and the bees, uh, birds and the bees and the squash. So, uh, squash, members of the squash family, which would be cucumbers, squash, pumpkins, melons, they have separate male and female flowers on each plant. Yes. Unlike other plants where uh. they have perfect flowers, which have male and female parts on each flower. I'm glad so we're having this talk. The male flowers, <laughs> can you tell? I have a, a kid at home, and we're just, so this is this is an important step here to teach this right. So, the the male flowers, when you look at the flower, you look at the stem that's holding the flower to the plant. That stem is straight on the male flowers. The female flowers at the base of the flower will have what looks like a miniature watermelon or a miniature cucumber or a miniature pumpkin. So it'll be bulbous sort of at the base of that flower. Those are the female flowers. So to do that hand pollination, you have to either use a paintbrush to transfer pollen from those male flowers to the female. Or what I like to do is just sort of break off the male flower uh, by the stem and then just sort of swipe it on that the female flower. And that will transfer the pollen from the male. And it's funny how we need to do that nowadays. We used to be... Everybody has more zucchini than you could possibly yep. imagine. It's just it's pollinators. Yep, and it's there's a native bee called a squash bee that uh, is one mm-hmm. of the best ones that, to do move that pollination. They're very efficient at it, but there's not so many of them around anymore. Uh, and so we're relying on bumblebees and honeybees and other uh, insects to move that pollination. Well, thanks for having that talk. I was a little uncomfortable, but now I feel better. Really? Oh, good. We'll be back. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. I heard you had a little helper out in the garden doing a very important job. I did. Weeding. My son, I'm... <laughs> I forced him, but actually he was up for it. I, for- out. I forced him, but he was up for I, it. I was going to force him. I was going to have to force him. But I said, I need. I could use your help in the garden. He's like, okay. So I was like, great. So he did help me. We we did, we did a little deadheading yesterday. Yeah, let's talk um, about deadheading. Oh, because so important. Really keep things going. You know, I was at the Pittsburgh Botanic Garden and had a lot of Coreopsis there. And that's one of the things that uh, Executive Director Keith Geyser was lamenting. Like, oh, you got to just keep deadheading that Coreopsis to keep it going. Yep. Yep, and that's an e- actually with a with a long bladed uh, hedge trimmer. 
that's how I do mine. I just kind of, when they're done flowering, I kind of cut them back a little bit and then they get a secondary flush of blooms. And mine, it was my Shasta daisies yesterday because half of them are dead and half of them are not. And it looks not so hot that way. So I try to go in and prune out the spent blooms and hopefully generate a few new flowers, which I then actually let die on the plant and let go to seed because I love to see the birds. And, and all that it's funny, weeds, kind of the same thing. You don't want, don't want to let them go to seed either. Right. And that's the one thing, even if you don't have time to go out and, you know, pick out every little weed out of your flower beds. At the very least, go out and get anything that is near the part in its life where it's ready to drop seed. Because if you don't, you're going to have a million weeds where you once had one. So at least go out there and cut it down. Uh, if you can't pull it out or dig it out, then just cut it down. At least get rid of those seed heads on there because you don't want it to. I mean, that's basically what I'm going to be doing. Just go yeah. down with the weed whacker and yep. cutting them down and making it look a little better anyway. A little more presentable. And keeping next year's garden looking better. Remember, the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden. And a safer place to live. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month. with Eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t